Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Texans Bengals postgame show. Hey, kids, if you're watching the Texans this year, you have seen a treat. What a fun year so far, Robert, with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. He's out at 610 right now. And Sean, it is no longer good enough for the Texans to end the game without some sort of last second field goal or touchdown. This is four and five weeks. So I've added anti anxiety medication to my pre kickoff routine. <laughs> yeah, you and a lot of other people, man. Um, I'm here for it. <laughs> these. These finishes uh, to these games are just incredible. But uh, the last two weeks with CJ doing what he's doing, um, I mean, I I can't tell you. Like, how, what, the last time you felt this giddy is that a word? Like about about your football team uh, in town, man. This is this is great. I mean, we're gonna enjoy this one for a while. I, I can't wait to go home and and watch this thing again. Sean, this makes the Texans a playoff contender. Maybe it changes by the end of the day, but they're the seventh seed as we speak. Seventh seed. I mean, regardless of what the numbers say, I mean, it, it's the middle part of the season, so there's a lot of teams jumbled up in there. Um, the way the Texans are playing makes them a playoff contender because you officially cannot count them out of any game, certainly of any week leading up to a game. They started this week on Wednesday having 23 guys on the injury report and the potential of missing some key dudes. You didn't know if Robert Woods was going to play. You're pretty pretty confident that Nico wasn't going to play. I mean, there were so many guys, and it was looking so bleak into hell with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and what their status was. Whether they played or not, you didn't feel good about the Texans going into this game. And it's just incredible the belief that this team has. And it's stemming, man. It is stemming from a 22-year-old individual named C.J. Stroud, the belief factor that has just emanated throughout this team, throughout the organization, is pretty damn phenomenal. 23 for 39, 356 yards, one touchdown passing, one touchdown rushing, and just one awful interception that we're going to get to later. Hold your horses if you want to talk about that one because it's going to come into the discussion. But Devin Singletary straight up Earl Campbell his way to 30 carries, 150 yards, and a touchdown. Noah freaking Brown shocked the football and the fantasy world with seven catches, 172 yards, 544 yards in total offense. We got a mess of stuff to discuss, so get in the comments. Let's hear from you. All kinds of end-of-game decisions, but like we do every week, we unpack it possession by possession so we just don't lose track of key moments. It's a great way to kind of get you through the game. And, hey, this one's a fun one to relive. Sean, opening drive, Bengals walking down the field, 10-play, 75-yard drive. In his first game back since week two, Derek Stingley burned by the Burrow to Irwin 32-yard touchdown pass. But, Sean, didn't didn't help that Petrie was late on the over-the-top over safety help either. 
Yeah, I, that was uh, that was a very typical Joe Burrow Cincinnati Bengal drive to start the game. But could you have started the game any worse than the Houston Texans did? I mean, the first play of the game, they get hit with a roughing the passer, and as you mentioned, Stingley, you know, uh, just not looking like he really needed to be out there today, though admirable that he was. Um, same thing with Steven Nelson too, for that matter. But I mean, it was just a horrible freaking start for the Texans. Um, just you, you get a third down stop and then you force them into a fourth and short and they just keep it moving. It was crazy. Texans first possession forced a punt after Hutchinson on a rare target for him drops a second down throw. Then CJ misses Schultz on third down Texans defense responds. Bengals punt after just one first down. So next, Texans possession. Stroud, big plays to Schultz and Woods, but then fourth and one, Sean. Stroud fumbles the snap. Bad time for what I believe was his first fumbled snap this season. Uh, no, he'd had one before. It might have been the first one that he lost. Uh, yeah, but I'm, okay, I'm that's almost, it. Yeah, I'm almost certain he'd had at least one, maybe two fumbles coming into this game, but uh, I think the Texans got pretty lucky. You remember the one, I think it was last week, right? He fumbled one and Fant recovered it. Um, and maybe that was like on a transfer of a handoff or something like that. But yeah, it, that was just unfortunate in that situation. And again, it goes back to the start of this game, uh, a lengthy drive for the Bengals. Um, they get seven on the board and you're punting, not really able to get anything clicking offensively. And then boom, a fumble. You're literally crossing off things not to do on the road against anybody, never mind the fact that it's a Super Bowl contender Cincinnati Bengals squad in their place. Uh, penalties, uh, allowing lengthy, uh, sustained drives by the opposition and in turning the ball over. It was just a, uh, a incredible fashion to start this way and have it end up the way that it did. Yeah, well, the one touchdown drive, and then the defense locked it in. And I also want to throw out there that, you know, you talk about Jalen Petrie and his stuff, and I saw Jay Adams, and he's in the comments saying, you know, Jalen's not playing good this year. We're going to come back to Jalen in a second because there's another play I want to talk about with him as well. But uh, Texans D, you know, they, they, they looked good after that first drive for a long time in this game. They forced a quick three and out after the fumble, and the Texans O goes full-on tank Dell. The tank was full in this drive, 66-yard touchdown drive, 36 of it. Tank on the ground and tank in the air. Sean, tank closes with a six-yard touchdown catch. Most of it, and this is the key, he just used his quickness and elusiveness to squeeze into the end zone. It's just a play only Tank Dell could make right there. Yeah. Um, the, that was a huge drive, obviously. And the fact that Tank Dell had such, you know, he, he finished the drive with a touchdown pass, but was so impactful on that stretch. Like, I was just amazed because going into this game without Nico Collins and you really weren't sure what you could get out of Robert Woods and you certainly didn't feel good, there was no reason to really outside of just the fact that, hey, they're due to, to run the football here. Man, my God, did they ever. But you knew you were going to have to rely heavily on Tank Dell. You knew you were going to try and have to take some shots with Noah Brown and get him into space and give him opportunities to do what he does, do what he did. Um, the fact that they knew and the Bengals knew that they were going to be forcing them the ball, maybe in some instances, and still did it and had the success that they did, 
that was tremendous. I mean, for the second straight week, man, Bobby Slowick dialed it up. You got to give that guy his props. Uh, you got to give uh, Tank Dell his props today. The toughness that that dude showed, you know, he took a hit and bam, came right back up, got back in this football game later on. And I just thought that was huge. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's easy to want to sometimes for these guys, but then just to be able to go out and do it time and time again, that's pretty damn special. Meatloaf says the running game showed up and pulled Man. its own weight today. And yeah, yeah. we're going to get more into that in a little bit because obviously they were a huge story. And just want to say with uh, Tank Dell, it, it's real obvious that he loves to throw to Tank Dell. The problem sometimes with throwing to Tank Dell as much as he does mm -hmm. is that Tank Dell is a hard guy to hit. He's very little. <laughs> and so, you know, there, there were some plays where maybe he shouldn't have gone to Tank Dell. I'm going to get into that later. You talked about Bobby Slowick, too, and what a great game he had. Well, he had one wart in this game, and you would think one wart on an elephant is not a big deal, but it turned out to be a pretty big wart. I'm going to get to it a little bit later, but the Texans D gets a quick three and out. So next offensive possession, Stroud, he hits. Uh, he's hit as he throws on third down in Bengals territory. And here, Sean, the refs missed a personal foul helmet to helmet on Stroud and compound the mistake by calling Stroud's throw a fumble. Yeah. Even Sean, ref analyst Gene Sterator said he did not understand that call. They blew it two different ways here. Yeah, nobody understood it. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't know Sterator's stance on it, but you know, listening to uh, Mark and Andre on the radio call, Dre was just baffled uh, that they missed that call and didn't get it right. And Vandy was like, "Well, you can't review it." <laughs> you know, it, it's reviewable. They reviewed it, and the fact that you could review something like that and still get it wrong, and everybody knows it's wrong, and it stands. And look, the helmet to helmet thing. It's not even excusable. Like, it's not even one of those things that you could say, well, you're on the road. No, it's a quarterback. And it's one of the youngest, it's one of the youngest, most exciting quarterbacks in your league. Dang, you got to get those right. Those are important calls to get. You're talking about protecting the game, and you miss that one. I mean, they killed two birds with one stone on that one. And again, the fact that the Texans were able to come out <laughs> smelling pretty sweet after. Uh, everything that transpired so much so early alone in this game was tremendous. I am going to come back on the refs in like three seconds. But two-minute <laughs> drive for the Texans. Stroud, a couple big plays to Noah Brown. Four catches for 96 yards for Noah Brown just in the first half, which sets up an Amendola field goal. But, Sean, the refs, more costly missed calls in the first half. Tank Dell gets put into the emergency tent on a hit that is usually a defenseless receiver penalty. And then on the last drive, the Bengals lineman hit Stroud from behind on a throw, which banged up Stroud, scared the hell out of me. But the key is he launches and falls on him with his full weight by rule. And even the broadcasters were pointing this out by rule. That's a personal foul. Three missed personal foul penalties in the first half and those all were points for the Texans because those were key drives oh no it looks like we lost Sean for a second hopefully he's going to be back but 
man, that's that's three. I mean, all of those could lead to points. They were all on the Texans side of the field. Um, just extremely frustrating for the Texans right there. And, you know, I just was really ticked off about that. All right, let's go to the third quarter. Hopefully Sean comes back with us in a second. Um, another good drive by the Texans to start the third quarter. Big pass plays to Mechie and Brown. That scramble and throw to Brown early in the drive, incredible. On third and goal, the refs inserted themselves into the, another big Texans play, though. CJ scrambles out of trouble and then makes a perfect throw to Woods in the end zone. But the refs say Woods stepped out of the end zone at some point. They reviewed it, but replays showed no visual evidence that he stepped out. Unfortunately, you can't see the early part of that play because of the camera angles, which is just one of my big beefs, to be honest with you, in in the NFL is that you should have some sort of camera angle of the end zone. I don't understand why, why you don't have a camera angle just of the end zone. I mean, we've got all this money in the NFL rolling around. Cameras are not expensive. Everybody's got one for their doorbell, but they can't get a camera angle that just shows the whole end zone so you could see something like that. It's why I don't understand in every game there's not one camera that's right there on the goal line. So anyway, that that stunk, but you know, might have been the right call, but we'll never know because there wasn't the camera angle right there. So Amendola finishes that drive with the field goal, but the Texans defense with another three and out after Sheldon Rankins in his first game back from injury, basically sacks Burrow twice on the same play. Oh, this was incredible. Burrow escapes, but man, the effort by Sheldon Rankins, who goes back and gets him again. What a game from Sheldon Rankins. He had three sacks. Texans missing him with the injury, and he has a great comeback, get-back game for the Texans. So now, uh, Texans' next possession, huge play. Pass interference on a bomb to Tank Dell. One of a ton of chunk plays by this explosive offense. And I'm going to get to that chunk plays and what all they had at the end of the game. But it's a good time as any to talk about Devin Beast Mode Singletary, who finished off that one with a six-yard run. And what the hell got into this running game? I mean, who were these guys? I mean, great blocking the whole game. Can't say enough about that up front. The offensive line did a good job. But Singletary... Yards after run, you know, breaking tackles, just really good cuts and moves. It seemed like he found every hole that there was. It seemed like he got every yard that he could get out of it. This this game, just unbelievable stuff by Devin Singletary. I hope this is the start of a renaissance to the Texans running game. That would be, man, that would be sweet. All right, so the Bengals next drive into Texans territory, but on third down, Grenard gets his seventh sack of the season. Uh, force, forces a field goal, but Grenard, what a season he's having already. And that was right after Will Anderson forced a holding call on the Bengals' left tackle. So a couple of good plays by the Texans' defensive line, the pressure causing some things to get done right there. So next possession, Texans, they go three and out for the first time all game. 
that was really impressive that it took that long for them to go three and out. Uh, we're in the second half now. Stroud misses Tank on a deep pass. Bengals with the ball back. Burrow scrambles. Then he hits Jamar Chase. 64-yard touchdown. On that touchdown, boy, if you guys didn't notice this, I sure did. It was Houston Carson and Jalen Petrie combining to get beat over the top for the second straight week. I flash back. I don't know if you listeners did. I flash back to Mike Evans last week on that bomb to the one. Remember that one? Same two guys get beat over the top. Houston Carson, not the best, you know, just a guy, but, you know, we'll see. I think he makes up for a little bit later in the game. But Jalen Petrie, we, we talked about it earlier. Jalen Petrie, just issues, issues for Jalen Petrie. Um, you know, he was making some plays last year, but he was, you know, also not making some great plays too. And and the tackling was an issue and he, you know, missed a couple of big tackles in this game as well. So would like to see some improvement from Jalen Petrie. All right. Um, by the way, if you're just joining us, we lost Sean Rajani, Sports Radio 610. Uh, he's out there. I don't know if they lost internet, what's going on with him, but uh, hopefully he gets back with us soon. So let's go to C.J. Stroud, who responds like he did so many times last Sunday. Uh, another big play to Noah Brown. Hey, there's Sean. Holy smoke. Sorry, man. Hits just keep on coming. <laughs> we had a power okay. outage here at the station briefly. So Okay, no, no problem. Well, uh, Sean, I'm at the point where we get a, we're in the third quarter. Big play to Noah Brown. Um, CJ responding after the Jamar Chase touchdown. I, by the way, I brought up the fact that on that Jamar Chase touchdown, it was uh, Houston Carson and Jalen Petrie getting beat over the top, just like they got beat last week by Mike Edmonds late in that game. Those two guys need to do better on those safety yeah. drops and, and handling stuff in deep coverage. But let's go to good stuff because big play by Noah Brown in the next drive. Hutchinson and Singletary get chunk runs. And Stroud finish it off, finishes off with what looked like a straight quarterback delayed draw. If it wasn't the play, Sean, mm-hmm. it's just a great read by Stroud. But either way, it's either good stuff by Bobby Slowick, well drawn up, perfectly done. But also, you know, it's it's, it's great stuff by Stroud if, it's, if that's not the case, because uh, I couldn't tell. Yeah, well, it's the second straight week. You know, they've had one of those kinds of plays where you're asking yourself, hey, was that drawn up? Was that just Stroud being instinctual? Um, I'd be interested to ask CJ about that, D'Amico. We don't get a chance to talk to Bobby until Thursday. Um, But I I just wouldn't put it past Slowick and Stroud. Those two guys at this point in time feel like um, they're in lockstep. And I, I just I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Stroud and, and Slowick get together and they they'll call something to where, you know what, if if maybe this breaks down, I trust your instincts against this look. Um, so it, it's going to be really, really fun to hear that explanation this week uh, at some point from one of those guys. Bengals next possession. The defense is struggling for the third straight series, but they get a big break. Joe Burrow overthrows Drew Sample. Houston Carson makes up for the earlier mistake, getting beat deep there. Interception for for him. Just the Bengals' eighth turnover all year. Texans to midfield after the turnover, but on third down, Stroud and Noah Brown just miss each other. A rare miss today. 
uh, just off Brown's hands. Things look bad for the Texans D after a Perryman personal foul on the next possession, but Shaq Griffin intercepts Burrow in the end zone. Back-to-back, Sean, Burrow interceptions. Game looks over game. Should be over, game not over. But right there, I mean, the Texans defense, we've been waiting for them to make plays. They make two big plays. It's not their fault that this was a game at the end. They did their job. Yeah, no question. I, I, I know where you're going with you know with that kind of commentary and stuff, and I, 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 we'll talk about it in a second. But don't gloss over the job that Cam Johnston did uh, in that instance. You know, after the Texans get that pick, DHC with the INT, look, you want to do something with that there offensively. They're unable to get points. The fact that Cam Johnston was able to pin the Bengals inside their own 10-yard line off a terrific punt again, maybe you don't get that interception in that instance from the you know from from Shaq Griffin. Um, you you force the Bengals into a situation. You give your team juice uh, from a special teams play yet again. Maybe that doesn't happen. I mean, credit to Frank Ross. Cam Johnston, the job that special teams, the coverage was able to do again today, um, and certainly the defense for just making plays on top of plays, uh, when at times it didn't look like they had any business doing so. So they run it on first and second down when they get the ball back. Perfect. That's what you should do. Yeah. And I'm aggressive, Sean. I love to be aggressive. But even I, when you're third and three, I'm not throwing the ball on third down up 10 with three minutes and 30 seconds left. I just don't do it. Yeah, there was a couple instances in this game where I didn't feel like the Texans utilized the opportunities to keep the clock moving. You know, they ran that play. It's third and two with 341 to go in the game. You've got to keep the clock moving. That was one. And they chose not to do it. I think shortly thereafter, after the Bengals had scored uh, a touchdown, um, they called for a fair catch. You know, why not return it? Let more time off of the clock. And so just in those couple instances, those are some head scratchers for me, like the Texans not executing, you know, the little thing really. Yeah, so throwing it on third and three, Stroud, for the first time this year, looks like a human quarterback. He looks like a real guy. I mean, the rest of the most of the rest of the game, he was incredible. But it's just that's a throw you can't make. But I I, I just hated the fact that Bobby Sloak put him in that position. I just don't I don't understand it. I'll never understand it right there. I mean, there, I'm I'm aggressive most times. And and if you're up by three, throw the ball. If you're up by a touchdown, throw the ball. But you're up two scores, two scores right there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's totally one of those things that uh, I I trust that they'll kind of figure out. I mean, they've shown the propensity to be able to capitalize, not capitalize, but correct, uh, you know, their mistakes from week to week uh, from a coaching standpoint, from a playing standpoint. So that's one of those things that they got away with today. Um, and C.J. Stroud is showing <laughs> that um, you can get away with those things because he's your dude. He's going to make the play if given the opportunity, and he's done it two weeks in a row. So the Bengals come back, quick touchdown, big play, and that one I think was another. Yeah. We keep coming back to Jalen Petrie. There was another big play that Jalen Petrie's guy gets loose. That was kind of the big play of that drive. 
So Texans now third and three again with the ball back. Now they're up three. So now you need to get a first down. To, you're trying to save yourself. And this is a second decision by C.J. Stroud that this is this to me is not a Bobby Sloak, you know, this unless they didn't tell him, hey, you you need to get the three yards. Who cares? And he goes deep to take down. And Sean, here's my issue. It's you're going deep. That's a hard throw to make. This is, you know, you've got a bunch of other receivers in the pattern that are shorter throws. Yeah. It wasn't like he was rushed for time. And the other part about this is he picked the hardest throw on the play when the guys, they had it covered. The Bengals had it covered. You just needed a first down and those guys had it covered and you're going to a deep guy on the, you know, and trying to hit Tank Dell, who's not an easy guy to hit in coverage. And you're, you're trying to squeeze it in between two guys. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we've seen this CJ Stroud before this season at various points, you know, the guy that is, He's going to make a play, and sometimes he's going to push the envelope. And sometimes it's worked. Sometimes it hadn't worked. Uh, there was a couple of plays to Dell and Nico Collins, I think, at points in last week's game. And if it wasn't last week's game, is the one prior to that. I can't remember, you know, the deep little crosser route to uh, uh, Collins, which he underthrew him. It was good coverage. Would have been an incredible catch, even if the ball was uh, you know, on time and where Collins could have gotten a hand on it. I think he's in an instance where, look, it's a tie ball game. You, you need to make a play. You're thinking this is your time. And he, he, he wouldn't tie it at that point. I mean, they hadn't kicked the field goal yet. But I think he's thinking, like, let's put it away here. Let's put it away. Let's make this play. And, um, you know, luckily for him and the Texans, he had another opportunity, and he did. Yeah, the difference – between this play and people might remember he had that play earlier in the year, Texans up by three late in the game. He goes deep to tank Dell for the touchdown. And I can't remember if that was the Steelers or the Jaguars is one of those two, two games, but that was different because tank Dell was wide open. He was wide open at that. Oh point. yeah. That was the Jags. Yeah. That was the Jags game. I think. Yeah. Um, and that was a double move. Uh, that was a double move in which he hit him on. Um, and it, it worked out there in that instance. But when you're trying to just thread a ball in there and push the envelope to that extent at that point in the game, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. You know, it's it's easy to criticize a guy for doing that, but that's kind of what we have come to love and appreciate and, you know, be in awe of C.J. Stroud for is – doing what's necessary to make those plays. He's not going out there and always executing the simple plays. Sometimes he's creating things and he's making the difficult play. Um, unfortunately, you know, in that instance, he wasn't able to do it. Yeah. Uh, another, uh, another one of our uh, commenters are saying Petrie keeps missing sacks, interceptions, big tackles. Yeah. yeah I just talked about it. If you missed it earlier, um, Sean, I don't know if you want to add, but you know, there's, a couple of plays that he misses deep. He didn't get the back coverage. He missed a couple of big tackles. There was one where he could have had the guy in the backfield. Would have been huge late in the game. Um, could have had the runner in the backfield. That would have, I think that might have helped end the drive. And then there was another run where I just saw him get run. He's still having issues with missed tackles. And, you know, I thought that was something that he really needed to clean up. And I can't say it's all that much better this year. It's less obvious because there's so many other guys out there that help him clean things up. To me, he's making those mistakes in different parts of the field this year than he was last year. 
Um, and that's in large part due to the better linebacker play, better defensive line play that you've gotten this year. Look, teams are running all over the Texans defense last year. So he was making those in the second and third levels, um, those mistakes. Um, this year, you're, you're seeing him get in position and just not finish. You're seeing him, I think, and I can't wait to ask him and talk to him about this this week, but you talk about that reckless abandon that the Texans defensively are playing with, and it's what D'Amico Ryans wants them to play with, play on the edge, but there's a line you just can't cross, and we talk about it so much with the penalties, and you know it reared its ugly head at times again today, but I think Petrie's just towing that line a little bit where if you're D'Amico, you're, you don't want to tell him necessarily to reel it in, but you've got to make sure if you get in position, make that play. Do the fundamental thing. Break down. Play with your head up. Make sure you're grabbing cloth and you're bringing a guy down if you get there. Um, and, and look, Petrie ain't perfect. I mean, I'm sure there's some instances. Uh, you go back and you watch this game in coverage where maybe Petrie uh, wasn't as aggressive as he should have been. Or, you know, maybe bit for a millisecond on something else that he thought he was seeing. Took a poor angle. Um, those are things that, you know, if anybody can clean up, it's definitely an athlete uh, and a student of the game like Petrie. All right, let's get to the fun part. So the Bengals drive back down the field. Texans get a rare break when Tyler Boyd drops the touchdown pass on third down. We are now living in a world where the Texans get luck on their side. This is a real world that we are living in today. So the Bengals tie it up, minute and a half left. At this point, my heart is in my chest. My palms are sweating. Uh, C.J. Stroud is going to send me to an early grave. But here we go. And I know we got Stroud, and he looks calm. And is there Stroud redemption on the horizon? I don't know, but I'm buckled in and sweating and breathing hard. And I feel like I just played four quarters myself. So the third down completion to Dalton Schultz. Near midfield, gigantic, gigantic. Because if you give the ball back to the Bengals, they get a chance to win the game. Now, here we are at midfield. Now, I wasn't a fan of them not taking a timeout right there because guess what? You got a kicker that is never in this situation, and he is going to have to kick something if you don't get close enough that's, you know, beyond 40 yards. And if he's kicking beyond 40 yards, he stinks, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. But I, I just, I, I wasn't personally, I wasn't a fan about. There was some clock management they did that was well. Mostly they've done good clock management this year. Wasn't a fan of it, you know. But it worked out because Singletary, an under the radar smart play, fights his tushy off to get out of bounds after the catch, saves us a timeout, and then the other thing that you get. Noah Brown, Sean, the -hmm. play of his life to go with the game of his life. He Nico Collins did like a madman breaking yards and breaking. I mean, getting yards, breaking tackle, 15 extra, 15 extra yards. What a play. Yeah. Incredible, man. Uh, That thing went for 22 and you said, you know, he got most of it after, uh, after contact. It was, uh, it was it was incredible. I mean, I can't say I'm 
I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, we're all, you know, just with our jaws on the floor watching, you know, this emergence of of Noah Brown in his game. And what was really cool this week is talking to Dalton Schultz about it, who actually kind of got a little emotional talking about Noah Brown. You know, those two guys spent some time together in Dallas over the last few years and Schultz had seen Noah Brown's progression, you know, just coming into the league, a raw guy, um, not uh, even an afterthought in terms of being somebody that can contribute to Dak Prescott and that offense up there to seeing a change in him in training camp and in OTAs this year, like something had just clicked and we asked Noah Brown about it. He said, Hey, I lost 20 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I lost 20 pounds. That's it. Like, uh, but he even admitted to like, Hey, you know, yeah, I was raw when I came into the league and ma- there's just something about this damn Shanahan Kubiak ish, you know, offense that now Slowick has put his stamp on. And um, man, when you got the dudes, he was certainly a guy they identified very early on in roster construction and my gosh, how it's paying off in the instance over the course of the last couple of weeks, Robert, that it's paid off where he's had to step in huge for Robert Woods last weekend, step in huge for Nico Collins in his absence this weekend, and he's doing some similar things, the explosive plays. To me, the most impressive thing on this drive was you got two explosive plays um, in the pass game in crunch time like this uh, on the road against the Bengals, a team that, hey, they're no stranger. They know how to close these kinds of games out. We've seen them do it here in the last couple of years. And the fact that Bobby Slowick, C.J. Stroud, this offense was able to find those holes and let their dudes make plays, that was fantastic. Every one of Noah's yards was a big deal. And let me tell you why. Because that Amendola kick squeezed through the right upright and was sailing right as it was going towards the upright. It was less than 40 yards. And, Sean, you remember this because I brought it up in the preview to this game. Amendola, terrible outside 40 yards in his NFL career so far. So that's how big what Noah Brown did was. It was that it, every yard counted. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. I, I knew Amendola's track record, you know, coming into this week. Um, had an opportunity to watch him a couple of times at practice. Uh, They started uh, the workouts on Wednesday and Thursday with special teams. Uh, Friday was a very different day. You know, it was rainy, so it was in the bubble. Um, And it was just a a different setting. So couldn't really see much. It was a lot of stretching, right? But Amendola, man, he was booting uh, those field goals with ease in a crosswind on Wednesday. Hit from 40, 45, 50, 55 and attempted a 60-plus-yard field goal that, after I uh, went back and reviewed, he just missed it, man, and it was totally the wind. It was a crosswind from his back, so he had help, but it was blowing left to right, clearly affected the ball after I went back and watched. Um, it. I had all the confidence in the world, like certainly in this instance, less than 40. Don't care what his track record says. That was then. This is now. Um, the Frank Ross factor. I know he was here last year. Amendola spent a cup of coffee with the Texans last year, but uh, clearly um, whether it's mentality, whether it's something different with uh, his game, I don't care how close it was. 
The damn thing went in. They didn't change the measurements of the field goal post. It was three points that the Texans absolutely had to have because you felt like if there was another five minutes left in this game or hell, 50 seconds, Joe Burrow probably does the same thing uh, to the Texans that C.J. Stroud did to the Bengals. What did you think of the clock management there for that last drive? Uh, that, that's one of the rare times, well, like I said, that I just disagreed. They they let a lot of time tick off, you know, when, uh, from down to down. I think it was after that Singletary four-yard run. Uh, I mean, hell, you almost let 40 seconds off the clock there. Um, and then the very next play uh, after the big one to Schultz, uh, you know, de- nearly 20 seconds came off of the clock in that one. And you're like, okay, hey, you've got a timeout. Let's go. Let's use that. You know what? I mean, I don't know if it's a Stroud factor. I don't I, I think they just trust the guy so much um, that you just don't want to disrupt a flow. You trust him like, hey, if he needs to go kill the ball, he'll kill it. Uh, if they feel like they need to call a timeout, they're up against it. They don't have something for sure the next play. You just have that quiet calm confidence i think if you're if you're bobby slow D'Amico ryan's on the sideline like hey this guy we're gonna let him cook we're gonna let him operate well it's making the rest of us kind of crazy um yeah um i i totally get like second guessing in that instance we've seen this now multiple times uh already this season with how the texans have let cj stroud operate in those instances and look it's worked out so (laughs) it's hard to kill him for that yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with the early time that they killed off the clock because I knew what they were doing. They knew if they went three and out yeah. right at the start of that drive, you, you're giving Burrow enough time to kick the field goal. But yeah. by the time you get to midfield right there, you've got one timeout. I get it. You only got one to go. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can always throw the ball into the ground. You save yourself 20, 30 seconds there. You can always throw the ball in the ground. You could throw it away. You know, you have options, but you have more plays to work with and you got a chance to get closer. But what do I know? You know, of course, I, 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 D'Amico just knew Noah Brown was going full beast mode and and, and somehow they were going to figure it out. Um, I, by the way, I counted. Um, and this is one of this was one of those plays that Noah Brown played. I went back and I counted. I hope I got this right. There were 10 Texan plays of 20 yards or more. Ten of them. That's a ton. There were also a couple that were 19 yards. So really like 12 yards, 12 plays that were uh, 19 yards or more in this game. And they lead the NFL in chunk plays. They brought it up during the telecast. Also worth noting, Sean, Steven Nelson. Got to talk about him for just a second. Yeah. Subbed in and out with Singletary at starting cornerback, despite neck and back injuries. You know, Didn't Stingley. look like he was uh, – um, what's that? You said, you said Singletary. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Stingley, Stingley, right? yeah. Stingley I, got, I, got, I got beast mode on my mind right now. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah, Stingley. Subbed in and out with Stingley at cornerback, despite the deck and back, and didn't even look like he was going to play. I mean, just a gutsy performance for just Nelson to be out there. Well, you know, just the thing about Nelson, um, you know, he didn't practice all week. He was listed with a neck and a back. Uh, wasn't seen until Friday. And I saw him through the mesh fence as I'm walking out of the practice bubble on my way to the car. Saw somebody out there doing some sprints and uh, some work on a field by himself. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, Let's see, because up until that point, people are like, yeah, Nelson's not playing. It's like, hey, 
this guy's clearly busting his ass um, trying to see if he could give it a go. Um, and you think like, okay, neck and back, man, that's, that's not soft tissue. So cool. But a back and a neck that that's so unpredictable. Like you don't know what to expect. Like I trust a dude uh, that if he's out there by himself on a practice field Friday, trying to see if he could give it a go, that ain't no rehab. That's him busting his ass, trying to see if he can go through the movements, fast twitch, change the direction um, and see how that's going to affect you know, those areas of his body. And man, it was, it was huge. Like everything you got from an individual today in Derek Stingley to Shaq Griffin, um, you know, just the idea that, hey, Derek Stingley is going to play today. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you talk about it all the time. If you make them think for a millisecond, you're doing something, but do something else. That's a difference maker. Preparing for a guy um is is huge and they got a lot of contributions i mean up and down the board and that's again complimentary football it it, sometimes it shows its face in the way that it did robert in the steelers win and in the jacksonville jaguars win two of the most complete games back-to-back performances that i think you could probably stack up there with a lot of really good texans wins in their history this is not look doesn't look like those but just the way that you're able to execute and operate when you have a dude with ice water running through his veins like C.J. Stroud. And now I think D'Amico Ryans has a little bit of that. I think Bobby Slowick has a little bit of that. I think Noah Brown and Devin Singletary have a lot of that, along with Tank Dell. Um, they're all working with in conjunction uh, with each other. And I, I think it's, um, it's, it's a special thing, man, I think we're, we're witnessing right now and in the midst of. Yeah, I'm gonna I want to speed through some notes here real quick. Just mention uh Jay Adams says Noah Brown breaks a lot of tackles. Absolutely, and that's been a thing for the Texans wide receivers. That's a D'Amico thing. We saw Nico Collins doing more of that this year. So I agree with that hundred percent. The second Stroud fumble was actually an incomplete pass. Translate to English says, Yeah, go check it out. I, I talked about that earlier. I, I was not happy about that call yeah. at all. Um Black Veggie said Stroud's a top five QB right now. Should be in the MVP race, Sean. Wow. What do you think? Well, I mean, that already made its headlines last week, and I think it's just going to ramp up even more after the performance today. Uh, Dan Orlovsky is the one, the first guy, the only one that I think that, um, you know, had the balls to even mention that this past week. I mean, why is it crazy? I don't give a damn if he's 22. I don't care if he was a, a, a number two overall pick. I don't care if he's a rookie. Look at the numbers. Look at his team, what they're doing now. To hell with this win right now. He started the conversation talking about a four and four Texans team. You was CJ Stroud coming off of historic rookie performance last week in that win against the Bucks and showed clearly that, yeah, he should be in an MVP conversation. Well, what do you think this performance is going to do after he throws for 356 more yards? You know, okay, yeah, he threw a pick, but it was that last touchdown, you know, that mattered the most, right? It, uh, uh, well, the, it was the field goal, you know, but just the drive to even get him in position, really. Um, the guy's just incredible. He should be in the MVP conversation. He is in the MVP conversation. Is he going to win the MVP? I don't know. There's a lot of football left to play, but I mean, don't let anybody tell you that you're stupid for thinking that uh, C.J. Stroud should be in the MVP conversation. Don't let anybody say that you're stupid 
for calling C.J. Stroud a top 10 or a top five quarterback in the NFL. I mean, right now, isn't he playing like one? When you talk about all of the things, you know, touchdown to interception ratio, um, the fact that your team is never out of a football game when you have the ball in your hands, back-to-back weeks, he's proved as much. Hell, he did it against the Falcons. He didn't play defense. He can't do that, too. Um, he did what he needed to do more times than not in crunch time when given the opportunity. That's what top five quarterbacks do. That's what MVP candidates do. So after week 10, C.J. Stroud's very much in that conversation. He's a rookie that is doing this with the most offensive line games missed to injury of any guy in the NFL. We talked about his fumble from center. He's playing with his fourth center since training camp. His fourth center since training camp. He is playing right now without his first string kicker. Uh, Last week, he didn't have a kicker. He had a running back kicking the ball so he could come back and win the game. He's playing without a running game until today. For eight games, he played without a running game. He's playing with a bunch of young guys everywhere on this team. Rookies, second-year players, third-year players. Oh, my God. And Goyo says they can't give a MVP to a rookie. Who says so? Translate to English says Jim Brown did it back in the 50s. Good call. Um, Yeah, Jim Brown could play a little football as well. Um, I also want to throw this out there. We saw we talk about a way. This is a win for D'Amico. This is a win for CJ Stroud. This is also a huge win today for Nick Casario because the free agents that he picked up this offseason, let's talk about him. Devin Singletary, he had a pretty good game. Uh, Noah Brown, hey, he had a pretty good game. Sheldon Rankins, three sacks. He had a pretty good game. Look at the look at they were. All over the place. Dalton Schultz, one of the biggest catches of the game, Sean. Nick Casario, he's a winner. He's a winner. Uh, It's incredible. But a lot of those guys that you just mentioned, this isn't their first time doing it. I mean, Devin Singletary, he's been a part of a run game that just hadn't been able to break through. Um, But he's looked like the best of the bunch in terms of just sheer production and the wiggle that, if you go back and look, man, if there's ever a guy that could possibly break one, it sure as hell ain't been Damian Pierce or Mike Boone. Devin Singletary's shown the propensity to be able to do that. And today, finally, for whatever reason, um, they were able to really get cooking on on the uh, in the run game. Uh, but these guys have been doing this, you know, for multiple weeks now. Dalton Schultz, you know, for about the last month, he's really shown up as a weapon in the pass game. Uh, Noah Brown, two weeks in a row. I mean, he's got 320-some-odd yards receiving. Uh, the last couple of games, he's not just had the game of his life, but he's had the last two weeks of his life. It's been fantastic. And um, the fact that it was uh, Goyo Falcon mentions that, you know, Stroud making average receivers look elite. That's how good he is. That's what really, really good quarterbacks do um, throughout the course of history in the NFL. I mean, you talked about all the nondescript white guys. Tom Brady made look really good for years up in New England. You're seeing it here. Uh, with you know a couple of guys you picked up on the scratch heap from the Dallas Cowboys in the offseason. Look at Dalton Schultz. They only signed him for a year and nine million bucks. Yeah, he sucks at blocking, um, but hey, <laughs> he's pretty consistent in the pass game. Noah Brown looks like he's taken an incredible step forward uh, for his career, um, and it could be the blossoming of something beautiful. You know, between these guys, with anybody that's catching balls 
in the Slowick system from C.J. Stroud, you never know what it could turn out to be. Um, just enjoy it from a week-to-week basis because this is a very dangerous, dangerous team right now. Well, David Anderson, Kevin Walter, they just picked up the phone, called Casario. They're like, dude, I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I heard you guys got a quarterback now, so I'm ready to go. Hey, uh, another thing I wanted to throw out there for you, Sean, is, um, you know, look, the Texans, they, they now are going to be the hunted. People are going to be prepared for them. Like, you know, hey, we got to beat these guys because they're really good. So the next few weeks, you go, well, these teams are all beaten. Now they're going to look at us like, oh, we can pull off the upset. We can meet the Texans. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know about – I get what you're saying. I don't know about being the hunted necessarily, but respected. And, you know, I I got to I got to think that, that respect factor's been there a little bit more than, you know, we recognize. Um, it's easier to see in instances like this, but – um, so often people are hung up on what they've looked like in recent years. Um, particularly like you always compare to last year, Ain't not a damn thing, Robert, but maybe 46% of this roster, um, that was here from last season. Outside of that, everything that matters is new. It's different. It's better. Um, and and, th- and that's it. That that is the difference. The guys, Nick Casario, and yeah, you just you talked about it. Got to give him credit between him and D'Amico Ryan's and this coaching staff. Their uh, talent evaluation on who determining to keep and not keep. Who do we absolutely need to be a part of this process to to get this team to take the the first big step? Um, you're you're seeing it. Uh, from from Jerry Hughes to MJ Stewart to Eric Murray, who was crapped on by me the last couple of years, they've all at one point or another been been a part of it. Graylin Arnold, like you're nondescript. Like who the hell's DeAndre Houston Carson? Like you're you're gonna know him as DHC with the NIT, you know, for at least the next six days, <laughs> right? That's all that matters. It's when you've got competent coaching. And the will, the want to, the desire from young players in a good mix with a veteran crew that knows how to win from where they'd been before, whether it be Jerry Hughes or whoever, um, it's it's huge. And it can be a beautiful thing. And I think you're just starting to see it blossom. Uh, last word, if you got any last word, but i also throw out there before we close out that the Texans overcame three turnovers. Yeah. I'm guessing it's been a while since they've won a game with that many turnovers. Three turnovers on the road. They've shot themselves in the foot multiple times. Otherwise, not to mention the turnovers with penalties. Um, they had a little bit of help with the referees, some calls that didn't go their way. They got some that did go their way uh, today as well. But to do it on the road and that atmosphere against this team, um, Coming into this game, I heard all kinds of uh, uh, nicknames for Joe Burrow, whether it be Joey Burr, uh, Joey Ice, whatever. Man, we got to think of a good one for C.J. Stroud, man, because ain't nobody operating like it don't matter. Uh, He is calm, cool, collected in crunch time, in the chaos. Um, he just, he's come through time and time again. And most importantly, the last two weeks in which has been two of the most exciting and biggest wins 
um, in this uh, franchise's history, to be honest with you, when you talk about what could lie ahead, not just this season, certainly, but the future uh, for the years down the road. It's just absolutely fantastic, man. So I just think, um, you know, look, enjoy it. And the fact that you started this week with 23 dudes on the injury report, I don't give a damn what it looks like going forward. I am not going to doubt this team as long as C.J. Stroud is healthy and able to sling this bad boy uh, with with even a couple of weapons available at his disposal, man. I'm just not going to count them out. It's going to be a fun watch the next eight weeks. C.J. is the DJ because he's putting together a great mix. So I don't know if that's a nickname, but I'll just throw that one out there. Uh, C.J. John, the DJ? I like it. I like it. CJ the D. You just came up with that? Did you just yeah. invent that? Yeah. CJ the DJ coming up with a great mix. I like it. Yeah. Muscatoon says uh, CJ Stradivarius because, uh, you know, he makes beautiful music for us already. <laughs> yes. Get it started, man. Get it started. Come up with your best nicknames. Big thing on our midweek show, me and Sean will talk about. Other news, because Joe Espada was named Astros manager in the middle of the night uh, in, in the weekend before the Texans game, which is like a weird thing, but it looks, they didn't name him that, but that's the word that got out there, Bob Nightingale reporting that. But they're tomorrow, having a press conference. Tomorrow, yeah, press yeah, conference. Yeah, they're having a tomorrow. press conference tomorrow at 11 a.m. Also, so we'll be talking about that. Uh, definitely uh, try to get trying to get a Rockets guess because – Man, they look legit and they look fun. We're recording this right before we're doing this live right before the Nuggets game. So if they don't win that game, it's understandable. It's a hey, chance, um, but but before we uh, close out, do does anybody out there happen to have Jimbo Fisher's number? Because I would really like to send him a Zell request for a little extra cash since he's got <laughs> $75 million to not coach uh, over the course of the next eight years or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> uh, anybody have like a Venmo Zell number for uh, Jimbo? I, I have no, I'm, no shame in my game. I would totally request a little uh, handout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, I, I just have to, you know, again, say, man, the Rockets, that game on Friday and this game Ooh. on Sunday. I mean, you, you got, you got some really, incredible stuff in the last seconds this weekend. I also, I, I can't go off here without one last thing. And I know Sean might want to say a couple of words, but just, you know, mucho, mucho prayers to the families involved with the Houston Cougar football players that we lost in the accident in downtown this weekend. Um, just a super incredibly sad situation uh, you know, three guys in Cougars that were teammates back from back in the 11, 12, 13 range. And, you know, Zach McMillan, Ralph Aragwu, and then, of course, uh, the former first round pick DJ Hayden that went to the Raiders, spent nine years in the NFL. And Sean, you know, we had uh, one other one other guy that was also in, in critical condition. All four of those guys, all, all four of the guys in the in the crash. And, and, and this this really hit hit me even more so than that they were all former Cougars. All four of these guys are Houston kids. They went to Madison, Elkins, Dulles. They all are Houston kids, not just Houston Cougars. We're Houston Sports Talk. This is our place. This is our people. And it's just really sad. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
that hit me a certain kind of way because I remember DJ Hayden very, very well. Uh, I had the opportunity to cover him uh, when he was at U of H and uh, not just me, but I mean, you remember this, Robert, uh, when, when DJ uh, got injured and nearly died from that hit to the chest, um, a hit that oh, yeah. I think usually only occurs, you know, in car accidents and there's less than a 5% survival rate with that type of injury, the fact that he was able to survive and then months later get drafted where he did and spend nearly a decade in the NFL um, to have his life taken at such a young age, I believe 33, 34 years old um, in a car wreck. It's just incredible, like horrible to think about that, that after overcoming all of that, you lose your life in that fashion. And it's just uh, that that hit me a certain kind of way, because I know he stole a lot of fans hearts um, back then. Um, having survived that, um, and, you know, the way that he, you know, talked about his life after. Um, I just I, I won't I won't forget that. I mean, I, I remember spending many a night on the radio um, in 2013 you know, talking about that instance and, and, and what a guy and how he impacted not just me, but, you know, so many. So that, um, that, that, that sucks. It sucks. And, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, prayers and, you know, just nothing but good vibes going, uh, going to his family and, uh, you know, to his friends, best friends and their families that uh, lost their lives with him that day. Well, I want to thank everybody that's uh, joined us for the ride today. Um, we don't want to leave with, uh, you guys on a sad note. So we're just going to mention one more time that you have CJ Stroud as your quarterback. He's a rookie. He's 22. We're seeing early CJ Stroud. And this guy looks like a veteran quarterback. He has had back to back game winning drives. One of them against a Super Bowl contender and one of them in which he scored four touchdowns and a field goal in the second half to win the darn game. You guys have C.J. Stroud as your quarterback, 23 guys on the injured list, kickers down, offensive linemen down. Um, pretty soon we're going to wheel people out in wheelchairs, and C.J. Stroud is still going to go over there and beat the crap out of your team. Thanks for joining us. Texans win again. And we are going to be talking to you again in midweek. So please, if you like the live show, join us every week, midweek. Tell your friends, tell your dentist, tell your doctors what we're doing. Uh, we'd love to get a bigger audience. And uh, we really appreciate you guys joining us. Thanks a bunch, everybody. See you there. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Attack!